Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Omar. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. And God said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. But here's the key. But Jonah what? But Jonah what? Ran away from the Lord. Jonah ran away from the calling of God. That is the word of our good Lord. Amen, family? Amen. Amen. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And so let me just start off by just sharing something that happened to me that really helped me kind of folk, you know, help me process where we're going, not only for this teaching, but really for this series that we're going to start today. Because earlier this year, I had finished preaching a message here, and I decided to go to a party that I was invited to. And even though I was tired, even though from preaching, even though I knew I had to wake up early the next day to come here and preach three more times, I decided just to go and show face. And when I got there, there was a lot of people that I really, really loved. People who were dear to my heart, and it was really, really great to see them. But if I could be honest with you all, the moment I got there, I felt really, really uncomfortable. And I wanted to leave that party. And the reason that I felt so uncomfortable, the reason that I wanted to leave, is because in that party, it really had so many of the things that Miami is famous for. You know, the moment I got there, listen, there was that music, all that music playing. And I could hear people talking, their speech, they were cursing. Then I would see, and there were people drinking just a little way too much. And you know how it is. It had just that typical Miami feel. But it not only represented all that Miami was, it also reminded me a little bit of who I used to be. So for the moment I got there, listen, I just wanted to run out of that party. And the reason I wanted to run out of there is really just completely just distance myself from all those people. To really to get as much separation from all the people at that party. So after all the festivities took place and all the things that we're supposed to do, I just said bye to people and I went home. And so the moment that I got home, I saw Ashley, I, just, I was just telling her how uncomfortable I felt and really how glad I was that that was not me anymore. In fact, how many of you can you relate to that? How many of you can relate? Yeah, we've been in those circumstances. We're like, man, I thank God that's not me anymore. And so a few days later, I was driving up the Palmetto, almost exactly in the same area where that party was taking place. And I was just talking to the Lord, and I was thanking him and just talking to him. And really, I was telling him, Lord, thank God that that's not me anymore. Thank God that I left that whole life behind. And church family, it was at that moment that it was almost like a sledgehammer hit me. And I felt this deep feeling of conviction, this deep feeling of brokenness. Because it was at that moment that I felt like God was telling me, Omar, those people that you were trying to distance yourself from so much, those people that you were trying to run away, Listen, no more. those are the people 
that I love. Those are the people that when I was hanging on that cross, I was thinking of. And those are the people now, Omar, that I'm calling you to. To love them, to serve them, and to share with them all that I've done for them and what I want for their lives. Now, family, let me just bring that over to our teaching for today because family, listen, what a picture, what a picture of what many of us, right, may experience. And by that, I mean that just like I was trying to run away from the very people that God was calling me to, listen, just like that, and here's the big idea for this weekend, God is calling Every single one of us, listen, from the youngest to the oldest, to, to reach the people that oftentimes, listen, it's easy for us to run away from. People like our neighbors, people like our classmates, people like our coworkers, those family members, and the people who we see on a day-to-day -day basis. Those are the people, listen, that God is calling you to go. Now, you may be sitting there at one of our campuses and you may be thinking, Pastor, you know, that story is really resonating with me because I felt like that several times. You know, even though I know God is not calling me to go back to that life, absolutely not, but I know I sense in my heart that God is calling me to those people that I know. But if I could be honest with you, Pastor, listen, I struggle with that. It's a real struggle for me, so, so how can I, what can I do in order to be able to fulfill what God is calling me to do and reach the people that I know? We're going to find out from Jonah chapter 1, right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Jonah chapter 1, and uh, you can follow along in our listening guides. And today, listen, as we start off this series, I have three thoughts for you today on how you can fulfill God's calling in your life to reach the people of this city. So write this down as point number one. Listen, we all need to realize, we all need to embrace that God is calling you, calling us to the great city of Miami. Now, folks, before we dive into the, into the text, let me just give us a quick background of who Jonah is. You know, the book of 2 Kings tells us that Jonah uh, was not really an obscure prophet, but he was actually the main prophet of the nation of Israel around the year 750 BC. And every single person in that place knew who Jonah the prophet was. And he was almost like the Billy Graham, right, of, of that day of Israel. Everyone knew who Jonah was. And so the story that we're going to study for the next five weeks is not of just a casual believer, but rather this is a story of a man who knew God, who was close to God, who was even a prophet of God. And here's what I love, that if someone like Jonah could struggle with their call to reach certain people, truth be no families, and you and I know different, Right? If Jonah, the prophet of God, could struggle with it, listen, you and I are no different. Okay. Amen? So listen to what it says in verse, in, in, in verse 1. Listen to how it starts. It says, now the word of the Lord came to who? To Jonah, 
the son of Amittai. Now, family, go ahead and circle the word Jonah, because I want to focus on these two names for just a bit. It's going to help us understand what's happening here. The name Jonah in the original Hebrew, you know, we always like to remind you that the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew and then translated to different languages. Where the, the name Jonah in Hebrew means dove, a dove. And so there's almost a sense that Jonah was going to fly away, that he was going to run away from God's calling at a very critical moment. And so Jonah then says he's the son of Amittai. Now the name Amittai in the Hebrew means truth, truth. So really it's saying Jonah, who's a dove, right, or who's going to fly away, he's going to run away, is really the son of truth. And I love that. Because if you are a believer in Christ, if you trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, listen, God calls you also a son, a daughter of truth. In fact, listen to what 1 Peter says about really the fact that we are sons and daughters of truth. Listen to what it says. It says, you have been born again. In other words, you have been become to know Christ. You are son of God, a daughter of Christ. And what's the next word? Through the living and abiding word of God. So as we, it's, so it's clear as we embark in this series going through the book of Jonah, if you're a believer in Christ, listen, you are no different than Jonah here because you are also a son and a daughter of truth. So as God approaches Jonah, listen, just like he approaches us, listen to what he tells him in the next verse. So he says, arise and go where? To Nineveh that great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. A family, pause right there. Because you might be thinking, so pastor, what's, what's the big deal here? What's the, what's the big deal about, about Jonah going, at, you know, go, going somewhere? Well, let me show you a little bit of, of, of where Nineveh is. I think we have a map right here. So Israel is down here by the Mediterranean, we all know where that's where Israel's at. And Nineveh is located in modern-day Iraq, by Mosul, Iraq. So it's about 600 miles away, 700 miles away from Israel. Now you may be thinking, well, pastor, listen, if Jonah is such a great prophet of God, if he speaks God's word all the time, what's the big deal of Israel, go, of Jonah going to Nineveh? Well, let me just give us a quick background on who the people of Nineveh were. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. Now, Assyria at that juncture, at that stage in Israel's history was really Israel's greatest enemy. In fact, a couple, several years, a uh, hundred years later, Assyria would then in invade uh, Israel and take all the northern tri-captives. So they were like a, a big enemy of, of Israel. And Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. Now, the Ninevites were people who were notorious, and they were people who were so ruthless that people were just terrified of them, to the point that whenever a, a, a town or a, or a city or anybody would hear that the Ninevites were fast approaching, here's what they would do. Stories say that a lot, of ca a, a lot of cities would just commit mass suicide before enduring what the Ninevites would do to them. Now, you may be thinking, Omar, what, what, what would draw lead people to commit mass suicide knowing that these people were coming? Well, let me just tell you a little bit of, of what they would do. 
So the moment that they would invade a city and they were a big, big army, they would overpower the entire city, the entire village, and they would just wouldn't kill people. They would just find ruthless, just crazy way of killing people. And then what they would do is after they would kill the majority of the people, they would just leave some behind, some men, women, wives, daughters, children, and they would get all the men right in front of their wives, right in front of their daughters, and not only would they rape their daughters and their wives in front of their husbands, then they would kill them in front of the husbands. So imagine just the, the psychological impact that has on you. And then after that, they would get the men and they would skin them alive, every single one. And they would make these huge holes in the desert sand and they would bury the men skinned all the way to their neck. Now just think about how painful that must have been of just being skinned alive and then just being buried in sand to your neck. And then once they were, their heads were just up right above the sand, they would take out their tongue and they would put a, 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 a nail right through their tongue so that they would begin the, begin the process of dehydration. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's gruesome. And then throughout the night, they would put little speakers right next to their ears and they would play Backstreet, song, Backstreet Boy songs all night. All night. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to lighten up the mood here. But I'm, everything is true so far except that portion, right? But here's what they do. After these men were dead... They were, they were beheaded, and here's the final thing. They would grab all of their heads and pile them up in a pyramid in front of the city so that everyone who would just walk by that city from that, from that point on would know that the Ninevites conquered them. And folks, it's to these people that Jonah was being sent to. Now, it makes your annoying coworker seem like an angel, right? <laughs> So let's show Jonah a little mercy because these were people that were really just detested and they were hated. And part of Jonah's, we're going to see in the the next couple of weeks, Jonah didn't even want God to show mercy to these people. But folks, just like that, you who is a son, you who is a daughter of truth, listen, God is calling you to Miami, a city that just like Nineveh, listen, if you're taking notes, it's a city we're taking notes, letter A, is a city that is lost. You know, although Miami may not be as barbaric as Nineveh, can I remind us that it's as lost as the city of Nineveh? In fact, statistics show that 97, 98% of the people in Miami still do not have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That means that when you go to the mall to shop and take care of whatever you need to take care of, out of the 100 people that you walk by in the mall, only two or three people know Christ as Lord and Savior. So we live in a city that may be religious and that may acknowledge that God exists, but that is really still unreached for the gospel. Folks, not only is Miami a city that's lost, it's also a city, if you're taking this letter B, a city that has a lot of things that, true, truth be known, listen, it's easy to hate, isn't it? Things that it's not easy to like. You know, we got the weather and the humidity. We got like about two weeks in February that the weather's amazing, right? But the rest of the year, it's rainy. We got hurricanes. We got the, the news channels driving us crazy when hurricanes come, right? We all love that. Man, we got a city that the cost of living is so high that, truth be known, you probably cannot live in your dream home. You cannot live in the air that you want because 
The cost of living is so high. Isn't that right? It's just so high. Then you got traffic, right? It feels like it takes you an hour or an hour and a half to drive anywhere at certain times during the day. It feels like the Palmetto and the Turnpike have been in construction since I was eight years old. I mean, it's just crazy, right? There's scams everywhere. You cannot trust anybody you call because they're going to come. You give them a deposit. They'll take the deposit. There's scams everywhere. And people, listen, they're just rude. There's a lot of rude people in the city. I'm going to give you a quick example. Last Saturday morning, I, was, I woke up early to go have breakfast with two buddies of mine. So I went, and I was driving down Lejeune at 7.30 in the morning. No one was on the street. I mean, it's still peaceful and quiet, and I'm just listening to worship music, just getting, you know, just driving. And I get to a, to a light, and there's no one around, literally. There's no one around so early, even the lane right next to me. So there's a guy, somebody, that just pulls down behind, behind me, and I'm, okay, well, it's somebody else on the street. And I kid you not, the moment that that traffic light <laughs> went from red to green, I'm telling you, listen, the red bulb had not finished turning off. Here's right here. And I'm like, dude, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Like, there's an empty lane right next to me. It's 7.30 in the morning. What are you doing honking at me, right? Can you guys relate to this, right? And I'm like, oh my goodness, right? So we live in a city Man, that there's a lot of things that's easy to hate, that people are rude, and we just, man, they just get under our skin. But here's the thing, listen, because it's a city that's lost, because it's a city with a lot of things that it's easy to hate, I said, write this down as big number two. Because of that, it's easy to run away from God's call. In fact, let's go back to the passage to see what happens, because, that, because after God had called Jonah, listen to what it says. It says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa, which is a port, a port city, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. And so here's what's interesting. The moment that Jonah hears the call to reach people who are lost, what does he do? He goes away to the farthest place he can go, which is Tarshish. In fact, we have a little map to show where it's at right now. It should be coming up. There we go. So notice, yeah, I kid you not, this is in modern-day Spain. So, so that guy, instead of just going a couple hundred miles, right, just to go and reach these people, he gets on the boat and goes all the way to modern-day Spain. At that time, that's the other side of the known world. And so... Here's what's interesting. Even though Jonah is relationally close to God, you know, there's a specific area that he's saying no to the Lord in. You know, you can never be farther away from God than when you're close, in a, in a close relationship with God, and you say no to him. Isn't that right? You can be so close, but you, when you say no, you just create this distance, this relational distance from him. And who knows, maybe you're here today at one of our campuses and you love the Lord, you have a relationship with Christ, and you've been coming to church for a long time, you love him, but maybe there's an error in your life right now that you are saying no to God in. Maybe there's a romantic relationship in your life that you know you're not honoring God in, but you refuse to let that go. Or maybe there's a relationship that you know you need to mend, that you know you need to restore, but you still haven't taken those steps. Maybe there is 
a sin struggle that you keep struggling with, or maybe there is an addiction that you keep going at and you're not controlling, you're letting it just get out of control. Maybe there is some friends that you know that you need to leave behind, but you don't leave them behind. Or maybe perhaps there's some anger in you that you still have not control. But all of us, it's easy for us to, to, to have things in our life that we say no, no to God. But for the purpose of this series, the, the series of Jonah, is that I want to focus specifically on us saying no to God whenever he calls us to share the gospel with someone. Whenever he calls us to invite someone to church, whenever he prompts us, right, to, to just bring God into the conversation. And truth be known, family, listen, for many of us, write this down as letter A. This is an area of greatest disobedience, of greatest disobedience. You know, I strongly believe that that the area of disobedience, of sin, that the people of God habitually struggle with over and over and over. Listen, it's not sexual sin. It is not gossip. It is not bitterness. It is not all the, you know, it's not all these different types of sin. I strongly believe that the area in our lives that we, that so many of us just struggle habitually is not following the prompting of God to reach the lost around us. You know, as a pastor, I run into so many people who are just so hypercritical about theological doctrines. And they just love to debate about theological doctrines. And if I can be honest, usually it's either students or young adults in their 20s and 30s, right? Because they are learning new doctrines of the Christian faith, things that they think no one else knows but just for them. And so they learn all these different things and Here's the thing, the moment that you ask them, when was the last time that you shared that gospel with someone? When was the last time that you just invited someone to church? When was the last time that you brought God into a conversation with someone who does not know Christ? You know what happens? They freeze. Because oftentimes there's people who just want to debate about these complex theological doctrines, but yet disobey God in the most basic commands. Isn't that right? And truth be known, church families, that whenever we are around people who are lost and God prompts us, right, to, to start up a conversation, to, to say something about the Lord, to invite them to the church, to try to just to, to, to start that journey with them, oftentimes, here's what happens. We're guilty of ignoring that prompting and suppressing that spirit of God in us. Church family, listen, they have, this happens even to me. You know, a, a while back, I remember I was at Starbucks by where I live, and I was just kind of like just buying a cup of coffee. There was nobody in the line, and there was a, a young guy, and super nice guy. So I was just talking to him and placed my order, and there was something in me at that point that you know how it is that you feel like, man, I got, I got to invite this guy to church. I got to talk to him about the Lord, something. But for whatever reason, that moment, I suppressed that. You know, I kind of ignored it. You know, I kind of like... I kind of ignored it, and, and so I just paid for my coffee, and I was walking across the street, and as I was leaving, I thought to myself, Omar, why didn't you talk to them about the Lord? Like, why didn't you invite them to church? And so, and so I turned around, and I, and I went back, but by then, I guess the guy had gone back to the back, and there's a new cashier, and then all the people are in line, and so it was just way too late, so I just, I just walked away, and I, and I just realized man, how easy it is for us, for believers, even me as a pastor, right? So, so at times... 
suppress and, and really ignore those promptings of God to talk to people about the Lord. And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, listen, I don't know about you, but I never get those feelings. I never get those promptings. But listen, I would just challenge you. If you feel like you never get those promptings, number one, I would go to the Lord and I would ask him, Lord, help me to see the people around me. And you know what's interesting? The moment you start praying those prayers, <laughs> every time you meet someone, it's like, that's it. it's like conviction city, right? You start getting feeling that conviction. Oh gosh, I got to talk to people, right? So if you don't get those feelings, listen, ask the Lord to give you sensitivity to the people around you and to let you see eyes to see when is those right opportunities. But here's what the story of Jonah shows us. That in every single critical moment, when God calls us to engage someone with a gospel conversation, listen, there's always going to be a boat going the opposite way, right? In other words, in every single critical moment, there's always going to be another option for you to say no. So you can be at a restaurant, right, and you can be having a meal, and the waiter, the waitress is super nice, and at the end, there's always a critical moment. Either you can then start asking them, hey, where do you live? And you go to church anywhere and maybe perhaps invite them to church. Or you can just pay your bill and you can just leave. Or maybe perhaps you're talking to an old friend, just catching up on things, talking about things that really don't even matter. And you can either bring the Lord into the conversation one way, shape, or form. Or you can just keep talking about how bad the dolphins are, right? Right? It's the truth. Or, there's some dolphin fans out there. We got two, the, the last two or three dolphin fans are out here. Or here's, the, or, here's the thing. Or you can drive up to your house, and you know a big weekend's coming up, like Christmas, Easter, one big weekend that you think your, your, your neighbor would come, and there's always those critical moments where you can either, what? Go over there and invite them to church and say, hey, come to this weekend, or you know what? You can just keep waving hello from far away. And you can keep going in. You see, there's always going to be those critical moments. And folks, here's the thing. Not only is it our greatest area of disobedience as believers, as children of God, write this down as letter B. It's also easy to justify our disobedience. It's easy to justify our disobedience. In fact, let's go back to the book of Jonah to see how he justifies it. It says, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God, right? They were, they were freaking out, right? And then they threw the cargo into the sea to line the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep what? Sleep. And the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not, so that we will not perish. There you go. There you go. Awesome. And so here's the thing. Jonah obviously knows that this is, you know, this, these, these sailors know that this is not a, a normal storm, right? I mean, this is just something supernatural, and they're calling out to their random God, trying to figure out what's happening. But what do we see with Jonah here? He's deep down in the middle of the ship, and what's he doing? He's sleeping, isn't he? He's sleeping. 
And here's what's interesting. Even though he was running away from God's call, he was acting like everything was fine. And see, Jonah had justified his disobedience to such a degree that he simply just went to sleep like things were just perfectly fine. And church family, what an image of many of us. Because there are people in our lives today, there are brothers, there are sisters, there's parents, there are cousins, nephew, nieces, people in our lives, there are coworkers, there are old friends, there are classmates, there are people who we run to on a day-to-day basis that are on their way to an eternity without Christ. And we keep, keep living lives just like if everything is perfectly normal. Oh, well, pastor, you know, there was never a point in the conversation. Oh, pastor, well, you don't understand. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. Oh, you know, I just don't want to impose myself. And you know what happens? We justify our disobedience over and over and over and over. Isn't that right? We just like to justify our disobedience. But here's what I love. God always has a way of frustrating our plans when we start running away from him, doesn't he? In fact, oftentimes he'll bring storms into our life to remind us of what really truly matters in life. So going back to the story, the sailors came to the point that they're trying to figure out who is responsible for this storm, and it became evident that it was this guy, Jonah. And so listen to what happens when they approached him. And so listen to how Jonah responds. So Jonah responds, he answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. Now, the word worship here in the original Hebrew, this side note, is actually the word fear. So he's saying, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. So how ironic, right? He fears the Lord, but he's disobeying him and running away from him. And the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And so this terrified them and they asked, what have you done For they knew that he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. So eventually at that point, if you keep reading, Jonah realizes that the only way to quench the storm, to dial it it down, is for them to actually throw him overboard. And so listen to what these sailors say right before they throw him over. They say, then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And they made vows to him. See, what happens was, as Jonah's being thrown out of the ship and into that dark water, Jonah had to realize that we can run as much as we want from God. But the truth is that there's going to be one, there's, there's going to be, there's only one place where we're going to truly experience the peace and the presence of God. In fact, write this down as big number three. God's presence, listen, will be there wherever he calls us to. Amen. See, in God's words, whenever there is something that's repeated over and over and over, oftentimes God's trying to show us something when that happens. So notice what it says in verse 3. It says this, 
But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the what? From the presence of the Lord. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the what? For the presence of the Lord. And then in verse 10 it says, for the men knew that, they, that he was fleeing away from the what? From the presence of the Lord. See, family, there, there's a theme that's developing here that we just simply cannot ignore. And simply this, that a special aspect of God's presence will only be experienced when you are obedient to his call. In fact, write this down in, as, letter, in the, as letter A. Especially, listen, in every single conversation. In every single conversation. You know, here's what I love, that every single time that you get prompted by God to, to, to talk to someone about God, to engage someone about, about the things of the Lord, God has always promises for, to be there present. God promises to always guide you in the conversation. God always promise you, promises you to lead you and even to give you the right words and the right tones. Even when you think things are messing up, that the conversation is not going as planned, that you are just stumbling over your words. And even then, God's presence is in the midst of you. And so there's something about God's presence. When you share God's word, when you invite someone to church, when you share that, there's something about that moment that there's just a special closeness that you have with God as you're doing it. Isn't that right? In fact, let me just give you a kind of quick visual just to kind of help you understand. I'm going to ask two people to come up here just really quickly, just give you a quick vision. Guys, give it up for them. And I think this may help you understand. Come on over. And so here's usually what happens, right? She's going to represent somebody who doesn't have a relationship with God, right? And he represents someone who does have a relationship with God, who knows the Lord. And so there's always those moments when you see that person, a coworker, family, or friend, that you get that prompting. And here's what happens. It's almost like when you have that prompting, God comes close to you and says, listen, if you take that step, I'm going to be with you. And so you take one little step and you say, listen, when you talk to her, I'm going to give you the right words to say, okay? And so when you, if, even if you get nervous, listen, I'm right here with you, okay? I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. And so when you start that conversation, here's what happens. It's almost like God comes close to you and says, listen, tell her how much I love her. Tell her that I have a plan for her life. Tell her that her sin separates her from me. Tell her that I gave my son to Donna Cross to pay for her sins. Tell her. Tell her that she doesn't need to be religious to have a relationship with me. All she needs to do is to trust in me. Tell her that. And so as you go through that conversation, you see there's a closeness that God is with you. That if you, when you share that gospel with someone, when you have that conversation, you, you felt it. You feel it, right? Listen, if you've never felt though that, that feeling, listen, I can't even describe it because there's something that happens that your heart starts beating. You get a little nervous, right? But you feel like God is with you and God's putting the words in your mouth to say. And so if you're saying, listen, pastor, I don't know how to have those conversations. I don't know how to approach them. Listen, I'm glad you're thinking that because in two weeks from now, we're going to have a teaching here, the third chapter, and we're going to help you how to share, how to share that gospel, how to approach someone, how to make those turns in the conversations. Because listen, we all need to be know, right, how to have those conversations, right? 
Guys, give it up for them. They were so great. Thank you guys so much. And so listen, not only does God promise us to be within every personal conversation, but he also promises to be in every small group. Write that down as letter B. He promises to be with you in every single small group. Listen, if you're here new today, you're joining us. Small groups are our midweek Bible studies that we come together throughout the week and we study God's word and we glow closer together. In fact, it's a place that we believe God really transforms people and helps people grow spiritually. In my own life, listen, where I had some significant growth, you know, growth in my personal life was in a small group. So if you're not in a small group, I want to encourage you on this weekend to join one. And here's something that you may not know. If you're not in a small group, look around. If you're not in a small group, you are the minority here. In fact, our records show that 71% of our people are currently in a small group. Isn't that amazing? And so listen, if you're not in a small group, you are missing out. And so make sure you join one. But listen, if we're going to be a church that really believes that we are called to the city of Miami, then we need to be in the city of Miami. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And it's going to be a little different, but just trust me on this. It's going to be a lot of fun, all right? I'm going to ask all of our small groups for the next four weeks, for the next month of October, not to meet inside the walls of the church and not to meet inside the walls of your home. But we're going to ask your, all of our small groups, all 471 of them, to meet outside the walls of the church, of their homes, and meet in a public place, whether it's a, a, a coffee shop, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's anywhere that's public, a park, wherever you want. Listen, make sure you go out and you meet there. But wherever you want, just make sure it's a public place. And here's why. Because there's something about being out amongst the people of Miami that reminds you of the lostness. That reminds you that there's people out there that need the Lord. That there's people out there that, listen, that we are called as a small group, as a church right, to be a missional community. And so here, as, as we all meet for four weeks out, out, out about, here's three things I'm going to ask you to do, and I'll give you the reasons why. The first thing is I want you to do, every single member, every, all four weeks, is wear your Black Christ Fellowship t-shirt. I think there's a picture right there. And wear your Black Christ Fellowship t-shirt. Listen, if you already have a t-shirt, awesome. If you are in a small group and you don't have a t-shirt on your way out, there's going to be different booths that you can pick up a shirt free of charge. You can go and pick them up. And if you're not in a small group and you're joining a small group today, you can also pick up a, a shirt so you can show up to your first small group wearing your t-shirt, all right? So the first thing is be sure to wear your Christ Fellowship t uh, shirt. The second thing is, is to do our sermon-based Bible studies. You know, if you are going through already through a, 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 another study, then I would ask you to take a pause for just these four weeks. It's not going to kill you. And, the, and do these sermon-based Bible studies. Because these are, are studies made, created by our pastors that dive deeper into the book of Jonah, helps you really apply it to your life while you're out there. And so make sure that you go through the sermon-based Bible studies. And last but not least, Make sure that you invite those people around you to church. Here's why. How odd is it going to be for us to be meeting out and about in the city of Miami, talking about, the, studying the book of Jonah, talking about how we're called to this city, but we cannot even invite or do it 
or talk to anybody around us. And so we're going to give you plenty of invite cards to help you start those conversations. Listen, if you're, if you're in a restaurant, you can invite the waiter. If you're uh, Starbucks, the barista, whoever it is. But listen, we're going to give you those invite cards because they make it so much easier to have those conversations. It's just a quick invite. Hey, come check us out. You'll love it. But sometimes when we don't have those invite cards, it's a little more difficult to start the conversation, right? And so those little things might seem insignificant, but man, they are a powerful tool of God for you to start a, a, a gospel conversation with someone. And so here's the idea. Here's, the, here's why I want us to do this. Number one, I, I want to be sure that our small groups remember that we're just not small groups that meet for the sake of us. It's not all about us, 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 but really it, we're missional groups that we're supposed to be on mission in this city. Amen? And so I want us to really understand that. But second of all, and I'm super excited about this, how amazing is going to be that when we have over our 470-something small groups meeting throughout the city of Miami, and there's people at all these places with the name Christ right across their chest. And those people are studying God's word. Listen, what a statement to everyone in Miami that there are still people in this city who love Christ and who love his word. Amen? And so it's going to be, an, I really believe, listen, something's going to happen from this, right? Something's going to happen when you have so many people, thousands of people out in the community. Now, if you're sitting there right now and you're just not liking this, you're like, man, I, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm upset at this. I, I, I don't like what, what I'm hearing. Well, listen, I want you to email me your complaints, right? Really, I want you to email me your complaints. In fact, write this down. Here's my email where you can send the complaints. My email is rblackwood at CF Miami. You can send me those complaints and I'll, re I'll respond to it. But let me, let, let me end with this and, and, and I'm done with this after this. You know, one thing that I didn't tell you was when I went to that party that I started at the beginning, I got there a little late because I was teaching here on a Saturday, you know, teaching here. So when I got there, People were already having a good time. People had a little too much to drink already, whatnot. They were just hanging out, dancing, whatever. And so when I walk in, and I kid you not, right? There's someone in the crowd that starts screaming at the top of their lungs, man of Christ, man of Christ coming through, man of Christ. And I'm like, hey. And folks, I just wanted to, to hide, you know, because who wants to be the holy guy at, the, at, a, at a party? You know what I'm saying? Nobody wants to be that guy. Nobody wants to be the, the holy person. And so whatever. But, you know, the couple of days after when I was just thinking through all that, and I was driving and, you know, I had that moment with God, it's almost like I just realized, you know, even though the term man of Christ may seem churchy, may seem holy, the truth of the matter is that that's exactly who I was at that party. I was a man of Christ. Not because I was a pastor, but because I was a believer in Christ. I was a man of Christ. So family, my desire, my hope is that as we start this brand new season, is that wherever our good Lord takes us, at work, the coffee shop, at school, old friends, the family gathering, wherever God takes us to. And my prayer is that you would remember that you are a man of Christ, 
that you are a woman of Christ and that God starts developing this conviction, this heaviness that when you meet someone that God starts prompting you that that the conviction and the burden does not shake you that you cannot leave that place without talking to someone about God and so folks as we move forward listen the only way that we're gonna accomplish that mission that God's entrusted to us in the city to go and make disciples is when we realize that wherever we go that we're men and women of Christ and that God is still the God of this city. Amen? Amen. And so church family, why don't you do this? Why don't you stand up with me right now? Let me pray for us and then let us sing before we end that special song, the God of this city. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you so much. And Father, my prayer for all of us today at the church family, individually and collectively, is that we would be reminded that wherever you take us, we are your representatives. We are your children, but we are men, women of Christ. And Father, let us remind us ourselves that you're not done with this city, that you have a plan for this city, and that you're still the God of the city. God, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, family. What a great message by Pastor Omar. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmami.org slash connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.